the four merchants had left, swathed in dark cloaks. They had not deemed it wise for anyone to be aware of their association with Elric. Now, Elric brooded over a fresh cup of yellow wine. He knew that he would need help of a particular and powerful kind if he were going to capture Nikorn's castle. It was virtually unstormable, and with Thalabka'ana's necromantic protection, a particularly potent sorcery would have to be used. He knew that he was Thalabka'ana's match, and more when it came to wizardry, but if all his energy were expended on fighting the other magician, he would have none left to effect an entry past the crack guard of desert warriors employed by the merchant prince. He needed help. In the forests which lay to the south of Bakshan, he knew he would find men whose aid would be useful. But would they help him? He discussed the problem with Moonglum. I have heard that a band of my countrymen have recently come north from Vilmere, where they have pillaged several large towns, he informed the Eastlander. Since the great battle of Imrir, four years ago, the men of Malnibane spread outwards from the Dragon Isle, becoming mercenaries and freebooters. It was because of me that Imrir fell, and this they know. But if I offer them rich loot, they might aid me. Moonglum smiled wryly. I would not count on it, Elric, he said. Such an act as yours can hardly be forgotten, if you'll forgive my frankness. Your countrymen are now unwilling wanderers, citizens of a raised city. The oldest and greatest the world has known. When Imria the Beautiful fell, there must have been many who wished great suffering upon you. Elric emitted a short laugh. Eh, possibly, he agreed. But these are my people, and I know them. We Melnimoneans are an old and sophisticated race. We rarely allow emotions to interfere with our general well-being. Moonglum raised his eyebrows in an ironic grimace, and Elric interpreted the expression rightly. I was an exception for a short while, he said, but now Cimarill and my cousin lie in the ruins of Imrir, and my own torment will avenge any ill I have done. I think my countrymen will realise this. Moonglum sighed. I hope you are right, Elric. Who leads this band? An old friend, Elric answered. He was a dragon master, and led the attack upon the reaver ships after they had looted Imrir. His name is Divim Tvar, once Lord of the Dragon Caves. And what of his beasts? Where are they? Sleep in the caves again. They can only be roused, rarely. They need years to recuperate while their venom is redistilled and their energy revitalised. If it were not for this, the Dragon Masters would rule the world. Lucky for you they don't, Moonglum commented. Auric said slowly, Who knows? With me to lead them, they might yet. At least, we could carve a new empire from this world, just as our forefathers did. Moonglum said nothing. He thought, privately, that the young kingdoms would not be so easily vanquished. Malnibane and her people were ancient, cruel, and wise, but even their cruelty was tempered with the soft disease which comes with age. They lacked the vitality of the barbarian race, who had been the ancestors of the builders of Imrir and her long-forgotten sister cities. Vitality was often replaced by tolerance, the tolerance of the aged, 
the ones who have known past glory but whose day is done. In the morning, said Elric, we will make contact with Divim Tvar and hope that what he did to the Reaver fleet, coupled with the conscience pangs which I have personally suffered, will serve to give him a properly objective attitude to my scheme. Now for sleep, I think, Moonglum said. I need it anyway, and the wench who awaits me might be growing impatient. Elric shrugged. As you will. I'll drink a little more wine and seek my bed later. The black clouds which had huddled over Bakshan on the previous night were still there in the morning. The sun rose behind them, but the inhabitants were unaware of it. It rose unheralded, but in the fresh, rain-splashed dawn, Elric and Moonglum rode the narrow streets of the city, heading for the south gate and the forests beyond. Elric had discarded his usual garb for a simple jerkin of green-dyed leather, which bore the insignia of the royal line of Malnibide, a scarlet dragon rampant on a golden field. On his finger was the Ring of Kings, the single rare Arcturios stone set in the ring of rune-carved silver. This was the ring that Elric's mighty forefathers had worn. It was many centuries old. A short cloak hung from his shoulders, and his hose was also blue, tucked into high black riding boots. At his side hung Stormbringer, a symbiosis existed between man and sword. The man without the sword could become a cripple, lacking sight and energy. The sword without the man could not drink the blood and the souls it needed for its existence. They rode together, sword and man, and none could tell which was the master. Moonglum, more conscious of the inclement weather than his friend, hugged a high-coloured cloak around him cursed the elements occasionally. It took them an hour's hard riding to reach the outskirts of the forest. As yet in Bakshan, there were only rumours of the Imririan freebooters coming. Once or twice a tall stranger had been seen in obscure taverns near the southern wall, and this had been remarked upon by the citizens of Bakshan. Nay, felt secure in their wealth and power and had reasoned, with a certain truth in their conviction, that Bakshan could withstand a raid far more ferocious than those raids which had taken weaker Vilmirian towns. Elric had no idea why his countrymen had driven northwards to Bakshan. Possibly they had come to rest and turn their loot into food supplies in the bazaars. The smoke of several large campfires told Elric and Moonglum where the Malnabonaeans were entrenched. With a slackening of pace, they guided their horses in that direction, while wet branches brushed their faces and the scents of the forest. Released by the life-bringing rain, impinged sweetly on their nostrils. It was with a feeling akin to relaxation that Elric met the outguard who suddenly appeared from the undergrowth to bar their way along the forest trail. The Imrerian guard was swathed in furs and steel. Beneath the visor of an intricately worked helmet, he peered at Elric with weary eyes. His vision was slightly impaired by the visor and the rain which dripped from it, so that he did not immediately recognize Elric. Holt, what do you in these parts? Elric said impatiently, Let me pass, it is Elric, your lord and emperor. 
The guard gasped and lowered the long-bladed spear he carried. He pushed back his helmet and gazed at the men before him with a myriad of different emotions passing across his face. Among these were amazement, reverence and hate. He bowed stiffly. This is no place for you, my liege. You renounced and betrayed your people five years ago. And while I acknowledge the blood of kings which flows in your veins, I cannot obey you or do you the homage which, of course, otherwise it would be your right to expect. Of course, said Elric proudly, sitting his horse straight-backed. But let your leader, my boyhood friend, Divim Tvar, be the judge of how to deal with me. Take me to him at once and remember that my companion has done you no ill, but treat him with respect as befits the chosen friend of an emperor of Malnibane. The guard bowed again and took hold of the reins of Elric's mount. He led the pair down the trail into a large clearing wherein were pitched the tents of the men of Imrir. Cooking fires flared in the centre of the great circle of pavilions, and the fine-featured warriors of Malnibane sat talking softly around them. Even in the light of the gloomy day, the fabrics of the tents were bright and gay. The soft tones were wholly Malnibonean in texture. Deep, smoky greens. Azure, ochre, gold, dark blue. The colours did not clash, they blended. Elric felt sad nostalgia for the sundered, multicoloured towers of Umrir the Beautiful. As the two companions and their guide drew nearer, men looked up in astonishment, and a low muttering replaced the sounds of ordinary conversation. Please remain here, the guard said to Elric. I will inform Lord Divim Tvar of your coming. Elric nodded his acquiescence and sat firmly in his saddle, conscious of the gaze of the gathered warriors. None approached him, and some, whom Elric had known personally in the old days, were openly embarrassed. They were the ones who did not stare, but rather averted their eyes, tending to the cooking fires or taking a sudden interest in the polish of their finely wrought longswords and dirks. A few growled angrily, but they were in a definite minority. Most of the men were simply shocked, and also inquisitive. Why had this man their king and their betrayer, come to their camp. The largest pavilion of gold and scarlet had at its peak a banner upon which was emblazoned a dormant dragon, blue upon white. This was the tent of Divim Tvar, and from it the dragon master hurried, buckling on his sword belt, his intelligent eyes puzzled and weary. Divim Tvar was a man a little older than Elric, and he bore the stamp of Malnibonean nobility. His mother had been a princess, a cousin to Elric's own mother. His cheekbones were high and delicate, his eyes slightly slanting, while his skull was narrow, tapering at the jaw. Like Elric, his ears were thin, near lobeless, and coming almost to a point. His hands, the left one now folded around the hilt of a sword, were long-fingered, and like the rest of his skin, pale, though not nearly so pale as the dead white of the albinos. He strode towards the mounted emperor of Malnibane, and now his emotions were controlled. When he was five feet away from Elric, Divim Tvar bowed slowly, his head bent and his face hidden. When he looked up again, his eyes met those of Elric and remained fixed. 
Divim Tvar, Lord of the Dragon Caves, greets Elric, Master of Malnibane, exponent of her secret arts. Dragon Master spoke gravely, the age-old ritual greeting. Elric was not as confident as he seemed, as he replied, Elric, Master of Malnibane, greets his loyal subject and demands that he give audience to Divim Tvar. It was not fitting by ancient Malnibonean standards that the king should request an audience with one of his subjects, and the Dragon Master understood this. He now said, I would be honoured if my liege would allow me to accompany him to my pavilion. Elric dismounted and led the way towards Divim Tvar's pavilion. Moonglum also dismounted and made to follow, but Elric waved him back. The two Imrerian noblemen entered the tent. Inside, a small oil lamp augmented the gloomy daylight which filtered through the colourful fabric. The tent was simply furnished, possessing only a soldier's hard bed, a table and several carved wooden stalls. Divim Tvar bowed and silently indicated one of these stalls. Arik sat down. For several moments, the two men said nothing. Neither allowed emotion to register on their controlled features. They simply sat and stared at one another. Eventually, Elric said, You know me for a betrayer, a thief, a murderer of my own kin, and a slayer of my countrymen, Dragon Master. Divim Tvar nodded. With my liege's permission, I will agree with him. We were never so formal in the old days when alone, Elric said. Let us forget ritual and tradition. Malnibane is broken and her sons are wanderers. We meet, as we used to, as equals. Only now this is wholly true. We are equals. The ruby throne crashed in the ashes of Imria and now no emperor may sit in state. Divim Tvar sighed. This is true, Elric. But why have you come here? We were content to forget you. Even while thoughts of vengeance were fresh, we made no move to seek you out. Have you come to mock? You know I would never do that, Divim Tvar. I rarely sleep in these days, and when I do, I have such dreams that I would rather be awake. You know that Urkun forced me to do what I did when he usurped the throne for the second time, after I had trusted him as regent. When, again, for the second time, he put his sister, whom I loved, into a sorcerous slumber. To aid that Reaver fleet was my only hope of forcing him to undo his work and release Cimmeril from the spell. I was moved by vengeance, but it was Stormbringer, my sword, which slew Cimmeril, not I. Of this I am aware. Divim Tvar sighed again and rubbed one jeweled hand across his face. But it does not explain why you come here. There should be no contact between you and your people. We are weary of you, Elric. Even if we allowed you to lead us again, you would take your own doomed path and us with you. There is no future there for myself and my men. Agreed. But I need your help for this one time. Then our ways can part again. We should kill you, Elric, 
which would be the greater crime? Failure to do justice and slay our betrayer? Or regicide? You have given me a problem at a time when there are too many problems already. Should I attempt to solve it? I but played my part in history, Alric said earnestly. Time would have done what I did, eventually. I but brought the day nearer. And brought it when you and our people are still resilient enough to combat it and turn to a new way of life. Divim Tvar smiled ironically. That is one point of view, Elric, and it has truth in it, I grant you. But tell it to the men who lost their kin and their homes because of you. Tell it to warriors who had to tend maimed comrades. To brothers, fathers and husbands whose wives, daughters and sisters, prowl, proud Melnabonean women, were used to pleasure the barbarian pillagers. I... Eric dropped his eyes. When he next spoke, it was quietly. I can do nothing to replace what our people have lost. Would that I could. I yearn for Imria often, and her woman and her wines and entertainments. But I can offer plunder. I can offer you the richest palace in Bakshan. Forget the old wounds and follow me this once. Do you seek the riches of Bakshan, Elric? You were never one for jewels and precious metals. Why? Elric ran his hands through his white hair. His red eyes were troubled. For vengeance once again, Divim Tvar. I owe a debt to a sorcerer from Pantang, Theleb Ka'ana. You may have heard of him. He is... Fairly powerful for one of a comparatively young race. Then we're joined in this, Elric, Divim Tvar spoke grimly. You are not the only Melnabonean who owes Theleb Kana a debt. Because of that bitch queen Yashana of Jakor, one of our men was done to death a year ago in a most foul and horrible manner. Killed by Theleb Ka'ana because he gave his embraces to Yashana, who sought a substitute for you. We can unite to avenge that blood, King Elric, and it will be a fitting excuse for those who would rather have your blood on their knives. Elric was not glad. He had a sudden premonition that this fortunate coincidence was to have grave and unpredictable outcomings. But he smiled. <laughs>